God understood what he meant. And so God makes mention of Job. Because Satan claims the whole planet is his, God challenges Satan that he indeed has a faithful remnant still on earth. Now, how would you like God to give a testimony like that about you? That there is none like him. There is none like her, an upright, righteous, perfect, one that fears God and shuns evil. Now, there's, there are only a few select uh, few that the Bible gives testimony of such high degree. Uh, the Bible talks about, for example, it talks about Abel, the son of uh, Adam and Eve, who was killed by his own brother Cain. The Bible calls him righteous Abel. Enoch was perfect and righteous. He was so close with God on earth. He walked with God by faith uh, that one day the Lord saw him as uh, a citizen of heaven. He was, his character was just like the character of God that God said, there's no use, Enoch, that you, you need to be there on earth. You can, you can come already. Noah was a righteous man, the Bible says. And so God here is giving a witness, a testimony about Job's integrity and character. And he, by that, he says, you may claim, Satan, you may claim the planet Earth to be yours. Well, I agree. Legally, you possess it. But I have a faithful remnant still. And look at Satan's response. And verse 9 and 10 is what I want to focus in this message. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, verse 9, Doth Job fear God for naught? Doth Job fear God for nothing? Now listen carefully to what Satan says. There are, there's this heavenly council. Satan is there. God is there. The holy angels are there. The representatives of unfallen worlds are there. And Satan insinuates an evil thought in the mind of every listening being by this one question. Doth Job fear God for nothing? By that, he, he plants an evil thought in the mind of every listening being. But maybe God is bribing Job with something that Job retaliates with faithful obedience to God, returns God's favor in obedience. Hmm. He continues, verse 10. And now listen closely to what Satan says, is going to say in verse 10. Now, this is extremely important. He continues, Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? 
thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land now this is what satan insinuates that the lord is bribing job by putting a hedge around him his house and all that he has and so why would he not fear you you claim job to be a faithful remnant in my territory but you are bribing satan plans that evil thought because he realized that job was heavily protected and dear friends this protection that job received from god was comprehensive let's i want to illustrate this let's read verse 10 again but this time microscopically let's read verse 10 has not thou made an hedge about him that's personal that's individual protection and about his house that's the family and about all that he hath that's his business including all his possessions on how many sides on every side this is remarkable because the devil is frustrated that he cannot get to job on any side now god wants to protect you and me the same way he protects protected job his family his business and all that he had but sometimes we feel god's protection doesn't seem to be presently available and it seems that satan has free access to us what is the problem my dear friends there's no great way of saying this than that that god does not honor disobedience and lack of faith he does not god rewards obedience but not our rebellion god rewards and blesses our obedience but not our unbelief question for you don't answer me is there a hedge around you is your family protected from satan has thou not made an hedge about him that's personal protection and about his house that's his family and about all that he hath that's his business and all his possessions on every on how many sides on every side thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land now what is this hedge that god put around job what is this hedge 
Well, there are two aspects to this hedge. And there's one verse in the Bible we were going to read now that captures beautifully these two aspects of this hedge that God put around Job. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 34 and verse 7. Psalm 34, verse 7. The Bible says, and this is a well-known verse, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Now notice the verse carefully. Who do the angels protect and deliver? Who? The ones that? Yes, the ones that fear the Lord. Now what does it mean to fear God? The Bible says in first uh, uh, Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7, the, the first angel's message, fear God and give glory to him. What does it mean to fear God? Among other things, one of the most important things that the Bible describes as to fear God means to keep his commandments. And there are literally hundreds of verses. We're just going to read one or two. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 29. Deuteronomy 5, 29. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. The fear of God is linked with obedience to his holy law. The Ten Commandments, my dear friends. Deuteronomy 13, 4. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. Deuteronomy 13 and verse 4. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Fearing God leads us to loving obedience to his statutes, to his laws, as a response of total faith in God. And so, is there angels' protection? Yes, there is. But why is there the protection of the angels? For whom? For the ones who fear God, primarily because of the commandments. We're going to digress on this subject a little bit more. There's another passage that I would like you to turn to, to the book of Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Here, Isaiah sing, sings, sings about Jesus and his vineyard. Verses 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I would like you to notice something interesting. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now will I sing to my well-beloved. I'm going to make commentary as I read. Isaiah is singing about Christ, who is his well-beloved. A song of my beloved touching his vineyard. Now, 
who or what is his vineyard? That is the Jewish nation, the children of Israel. That's clarified in verse 7 of the same chapter. So Isaiah is singing about Jesus Christ and of his beloved vineyard. That's the Jewish nation. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. Now that is Jerusalem. And he fenced it. The first thing that Jesus does after planting his vineyard, what does he do? He fences his vineyard. He puts a hedge around his vineyard. Let's continue. And he fenced it, verse 2, and gathered out the stones thereof. Now, what does that mean? By the way, Isaiah is a prophetical book, and uh, there are symbology given here. And we are unlocking the symbols as we're going through. Stones. He gathered out the stones. Now, stones in this passage is a symbol of the Gentiles. God had to remove the tribes of the Gentiles, the Canaanites, from the land of Canaan before he could give it to Israel. And by the way, the Jews oftentimes referred to the Gentiles as stones because they, they thought that they had a stony heart and there's no way that the Gentiles could be brought into salvation. In fact, they would uh, uh, consider them the Jews would consider the Gentiles as pigs and dogs. Even Jesus referred to the Gentiles as stones uh, and even as dogs. Um, you may recall Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on the Sunday before his crucifixion. And uh, there was hosannas in the air. And uh, the Pharisees did not like it much. And they came to Jesus and they said, well, Jesus, teacher, you must ask your disciples to be quiet. And what did Jesus say? You can read about this in Luke 19 and verse 40. Jesus said, well, if they be quiet, the stones will call out. Now, I've heard some say that the stones are little stones. No, he's talking about the Gentiles. He says, if my people stop crying out, the Gentiles will start praising me. And so the stones that he gathered out were the Gentile nations. Let's continue verse 2. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof. Symbolically means that God removed the seven Gentile nations. And planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a winepress therein. All this is the symbol of the temple of the Lord. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. Now, I just want you to focus on the first What's the first act that God does when he plants his vineyard? He fences it. He puts the hedge around it. What is this hedge? What is this hedge that made the devil 
marvel and angry at the same time. This hedge around Job, around his house, around all that he had, that he had no way, absolutely no way to get to Job. I would like to read a very small statement from the spirit of prophecy. The servant of the Lord writes in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 52. Please uh, uh, pay attention to this very small statement. Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 52. In obedience to God's law. I'm uh, trying to see if I can paste it here on Zoom. And I have done it. In obedience to God's law, man is surrounded as with a hedge and kept from the evil. And she's going on to explain what that hedge is. He who breaks down this divinely erected barrier in one area has destroyed its power to protect him. For he has opened a way by which the enemy can enter to waste and ruin. Dear church, what is this hedge? What is this hedge, this fence? The law of God. In obedience to God's law, man is surrounded as with a hedge and kept from the evil. She says, if there is one area, if there is one area in your life in which we have disobeyed, now that gives the access to the devil, a free and open access to the devil by which the enemy will come in, enter and ruin. Now, why do you suppose Job enjoyed that heavy, comprehensive protection? Because he obeyed God's law. His law was the protection. Angels were protecting Job, yes. But why? Primarily because Job honored and obeyed God. Hast thou not put made and hedge about him? Satan's anger. Is not on Job. It's on the hedge of God. Satan's anger is on the law of God. From ceaseless ages. Job was so obedient to God. He honored God. He loved God. He was faithful to God's law. That God protected him. Blessed him. Increased him. In such a way that it made the devil marvel and angry. Now my dear friends. Satan will marvel and be angry at a particular group of Christians. They're called as the true Seventh-day Adventist Christians. At the very end of time, which I don't think is far from now, we are living in that time. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17, we all know this. Revelation 12, 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war 
with the remnant of her seed, which what which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Satan was angry. Why? Because a hedge was around Job, his family, his business. Satan will be angry with this faithful remnant in the very last end of time. Why? Because of two things. Number one, they have this hedge, the Ten Commandments. And number two, they have the testimonies of Christ, which is the spirit of prophecy. Read that in Revelation 19.10. My dear friends, it is for these two reasons. Now, don't mistake me. It is not just one, but it is two in the very end of time. The commandments of God, which is the hedge and the testimony of Jesus Christ. In other words, it is the law and the prophets. Now, a beautiful scriptural song was sung uh, by uh, the loving family of Dr. Paul, Psalm 19 and verse 7. One of the verses I like in the Bible the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Did you notice? The two are there. The law and the testimony. In other words, the law and the prophet. Jesus said, I come not to destroy the law and the prophet. When, when the Bible ends with the Old Testament, in the last couple of verses of the last chapter of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, the Bible says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. Remember the law of Moses, law and the prophets. And Satan is dire angry because the hedge of God's law and the testimony of Jesus Christ at the very end of time. But I believe that uh, the attitude of the Seventh-day Adventists is reaching a fever pitch. And I say that humbly, yet firmly, because there are two groups. The ones that fear God and love his commandments and delight in keeping his law. And the ones that despise and trample underfoot the law of God. And the same attitude is also shown to the testimonies. I have to bring this to a close. My time is almost uh, out. Time flies when we take the word of the Lord. Uh, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, uh, Jesus was tested and inspected by uh, the four major Jewish sects. If we can read this in Mark chapter 12. The Pharisees and the Herodians come and ask Jesus a question. The Sadducees ask Jesus a question. And finally, the scribes come and ask Jesus a question. The scribe asks his question uh, around verse 28. Uh, he asks, which is the first commandment of all? 
and uh, look at what Jesus says. He says, uh, verse 29, the first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We don't have much time to digress, but I like to mention a couple of points. Do you know what this really means? Love the Lord thy God with all, with all, with all. The first four commandments is about loving God. This last six is about loving our fellow men. Now, where is the place in God's law? To love our own self. Hmm? In other words, there is no place for self. We sang, the law of the Lord converts the soul. If we truly love God, if we truly love God with all our heart, we would love God, we would put others first, next to God. There is no place for self. It is no longer what I like, what I want to do. Oh, he told about this about me and she spoke about me in the back. It is what God wants. Is it what others? There is no place for self. All, with all your heart. My dear friends, it takes 100% obedience, 100% obedience for us to be saved. And just 1% disobedience, and even less than 1% disobedience, to let Satan have us. And that is why the Lord says, with all your heart, with all your strength and mind and soul. If someone asks you, what does it mean to obey God? Here's a simple answer. What God says, do. How he says, do. And when he says, just do it. Now, you cannot alter any of these. What he says is the command. When he says is the timing. Now, God does not reward delayed obedience. It is either implicit obedience or it's a disobedience. And what he says, just do it. That means to what extent you will go to obey him. God does not reward partial obedience, almost. No. It's either full and complete obedience or Half obedience is disobedience. My dear friends, that is why he says, love the Lord your God with all, fully, completely, wholly. And what about timing? Sometimes we procrastinate. We put off our decisions to obey God. Next week or one month later, I will definitely pay my tithes or I will correct 
that which I have been instructed by God that I must correct. Or two weeks, two months, next year, definitely. See what the Bible says. Psalm 119 and verse 60. Psalm 119 verse 60. I made haste. David says, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Amen. My dear friends, if there's someone listening to this message and the spirit of the Lord may be speaking in your heart, there is some area in your life that God through his spirit has been convicting you. And he may even be showing you through this message that Satan has direct access. And you may be wondering why what's going on? What's wrong with God's protection in my family? I'm not saying that uh, it is because of your sin. That there could be some who are tested by God for their faith to be increased. But we need to examine with all transparency before God, put our lives before God and say, Lord, show me if there's any wicked way. Is there any area of disobedience and outright rebellion? There are too many Seventh-day Adventist families that are under attack. Attack after attack after attack. Financial, relational, physical. Could it be that we have simply allowed Satan free access into our lives, into our homes, into our families, into our businesses, that we have removed his divine law of protection? Well, the law of God is kicked around in the world by world governments and leaders and schools and societies, but even by us. Can you imagine that I, I had to sit on the church board month after month, board after board in this local church and um, debate and argue that they should stop cooking on the Sabbath? That the church leaders must be careful and faithful in their tithes. My dear friends, the Lord is coming soon. He's coming very soon. And we need to be ready. There is nothing that you want to be between you and your beloved Savior. And tonight, the Lord is calling you to a life of moral purity and holiness. His hedge. His law, his commandments. Not that you have to keep it to be saved, but because we are saved, but because we are redeemed, we show our gratitude to live a life in harmony to God's law. And God is calling you. Examine your hearts in total transparency. Are we disobedient to our parents' children? Are we desecrating the Holy Sabbath? Is there hatred and anger? Brothers and sisters have not spoken in, in years, in weeks, in months, in days. Husband and wife issues. There's gossip and murmur and complaints. You're living with someone who's not your spouse. There is no truth in our speech. There is mincing of words. 
There is no faithfulness in tithes and offerings. It is better to lose money righteously than to make money unrighteously, friends. There's covetousness. Do you want your family secure? Surround yourself, your family, with God's law. Keep the Sabbath and God will bless your home, your children, your marriage, your business. And so I ask you tonight, is your home surrounded by the hedge? By the hedge of God. Put your life in it. Put your family behind this hedge. Put your business behind this hedge. And the Lord will bless you and will increase you. Is that your prayer? Is that your commitment? I raise my hand and I give my commitment to him. If you do so, please show it by raising your hand. I praise God for the wonderful decisions that you have made. I want to pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful to you for speaking to us through your word today. We are sorry for the times that we have been negligent of your law. We're sorry for the times that we have acted foolishly. We have knowingly with all knowledge, rejected your commandments. And we have allowed Satan free access into our homes, into our lives. And then we have cast the blame on you. We are sorry, but today, Lord, tonight, we come with a repentant heart, asking you to please fill us with your spirit that we may have the right attitude toward you and to your law, that we may truly learn to fear you and to keep your commandments. Lord, if there is someone who's struggling, who's joined in this message, who's listening to this, is going through grievous times, I pray that you may console their hearts, comfort their minds, ease their pain, and at the same time, Lord, lead them in paths of righteousness and show them the ways in which that they could receive blessings from your hands. And first and above all, the hedge, which is your divine protection. And so, Lord, keep us faithful and help us, O oh Lord, to be in that chosen numbered group to receive your seal in our foreheads. And dear Lord, to be in that group which sings victoriously the song of Moses and the Lamb. That is our prayer today. We're dedicating our life to you. Bless us. Bless this Chemsford Adventist Church in a very special way. Bless the pastor, the elders, the deacons, all the department leaders. And every family, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, bless this church. Bring a great revival and reformation that they may stand faithful and true to you. That they may stand as the light to this world, in the community, in the society that they live. As commandment keepers, as the guardians of your law. In Jesus' name I humbly pray. Amen. God bless you. May God be with you and protect you.
as you continue to resolve to live for Jesus. Amen. Okay, I would like to thank Elder Anderson for delivering the message. Indeed, we have to have the law of God written in our hearts and seal it in our minds so that we can walk in the paths of righteousness and receive that incorruptible crown. I also want to thank uh, Brooklyn and Nassail for blessing us with their singing. And I pray that each and every one of you uh, have been blessed and um, have been encouraged to, to really uh, fear God, which is to keep his uh, commandments. Um, and if, if God in his grace allows us, maybe all gather again tomorrow morning at half nine for the praise, praise, and testimony session. Good night. God bless.